He'll throw it back. Touchdown! Weinhold with the kill. And Warner wins the set. Fade away by Moores. Welcome back to another edition of In Play. I'm Craig Maddock. You know, our podcasts, we focus on high school sports in South Dakota. You know, we'll feature athletes and coaches and contributors. And we'll also talk about the great players and coaches from the past. And today is one of those where we're going to focus on maybe one of the top players that South Dakota saw when it came to basketball. He certainly was one of the top players back in the 30s. I'm a huge history buff. I love learning and hearing about all those athletes or coaches who were great at their time. And today we're going to learn a little bit more about Harold Thune. You know, when, when you think of basketball and you think, well, you got to put Murdo, South Dakota, on that map, the magic city, Harold Thune has to be one of the first things that comes to mind because growing up he was one, if not the best basketball player in the state. Harold Thune, though, uh, recently passed away at the age of 100, but his legacy as a player, a Navy fighter pilot, and then later a coach and teacher, it's going to live on in history forever. And U.S. Senator John Thune is Harold's son, and he joins us now to talk about his father's life. And, Senator, thank you very much for the time. Uh, Certainly our thoughts and prayers have been with you and the whole family uh, since his passing. But here's a kid in Murdo. Uh, he wasn't even six feet tall, wasn't that much of a score, but goes on and plays three years in the Big Ten, played for Minnesota. What was it like for your father? What, did he, what were some of those stories he told you about playing basketball in the Big Ten? Well, you know, I appreciate that, Craig, and thank you for uh, your sympathies. And, you know, we heard obviously from a lot of people across South Dakota when he passed. And, um, you know, he, when you get 100 years, it's hard to complain, but nevertheless, it's, uh, he lives a big void, and he was such a big presence in uh, my family's life, and so we miss him. But, yeah, I mean, it's a great, it's a great uh, South Dakota story, a great American story, really. Um, you know, his dad came here from Norway back in 1906 and didn't speak uh, the, the language at all, um, but, you know, learned the language, saved up a little money, started a little merchandising company, in uh, which became letter became a hardware store doing hardware in Myrtles, or in Mitchell, South Dakota. But when the depression hit, um, they couldn't take you know two incomes out of that. It was my grandfather and my great uncle. So my granddad, when my dad was about a fifth grader, they moved to Murdo. and um, and my dad was already uh, before they left Mitchell intrigued with the game of basketball. And when he got to Murdo, that only intensified. He he said they any place there was a barn or you know they could put up a hoop they put up a hoop and everybody <laughs> played and you, Lord knows during the uh, depression they needed a lot of distractions so uh, he became a very accomplished player and you know back at that time <laughs> they went to the state tournament his senior year which was played up in Aberdeen and they jumped center after every made basket <laughs> and my dad was, you know and he was kind of a fast break sort of a guy but um you know they ended up losing to uh Doland in the championship game but he was uh named the uh, tournament's most valuable player and had a nice tournament up there lost to Doland and of course when I my wife is from Doland and so she reminds you of that frequently she does. Sure. well and he reminds me of that too that I married you know <laughs> into the uh but um, I would see sometimes up in Dolan when I would go up to see her, some of the old guys that actually were still around that played on that team, and there were just some great stories about that, that tournament. 
uh, at the time. But my dad, um, the doctor in Myrtle, a guy named Dr. Murphy, thought my dad was good enough to play. He was looking at going to Black Hill State, but this guy thought he was good enough to play at a higher level, and he had a contact up at Hibbing, Minnesota. His his brother was a professor up there uh, at Hibbing Junior College, and so he got it worked out for my dad to go up there and um, and then to get noticed by the main campus down in the Twin Cities. And when the coach came up, um, he uh, recruited him, and he came down, and, yeah, he, he started for three years for the for the Gophers and was named most valuable player uh, of the team his junior season. But like you said, you know, wasn't a prolific scorer, but he was a team guy, played great defense and distributed the ball and and did all the things that, you know, coaches love to see uh, people do. But he always talked about playing, you know, his he was the high point man in Madison Square Garden on his birthday in 1940 <laughs> and um he always talked about playing in the garden they were the second game the first game was kansas and somebody it was a double header played at the garden and he said when we came out for the second game you couldn't even see the upper deck the upper seats because there was so much smoke and you know back, you don't think about that but back at the time everybody smoked and he said <laughs> you, you literally couldn't see uh, couldn't see up there but you know, they traveled on these great, um, you know, trains. They played when they played at University of Washington on the West Coast. They would take these Pullman sleeper cars, and they would travel that way, and he said it was a very deluxe way to go. But, um, yeah, he had a great experience up there. Of course, met my mom up there. She worked at a, a little uh, soda shop off the uh, just off the campus there. And um, so it's a big part of our family's history was, you know, him really being kind of the first – Division one athlete to come out of South Dakota, and and a really kind of interesting story. I mean, you know, he he literally they didn't have scholarships, so to speak, back at the time. But um, he even had to hitchhike home a few times. He would he said he'd wear his letter jacket because he always figured people would pick him up. If he had a letter jacket on, but um, he would get as far as Sioux Falls. He had a cousin Gordy who was at Augustana at the time, and he would stay overnight with him, and then he'd hitchhike the rest of the way back to Murdo. And so it's a very very different era than. <laughs> The athletes of today, but uh, great experiences, which you know, sure, certainly shaped his life and shaped ours. What kind of a player was he? Was he an intense player, a quiet player? How did he play the game? Very intense. Um, I remember watching, even you know, when I came along, and my dad was in his 40s by the time I was born, uh, and I have a younger brother too. But he, he always played in these faculty senior basketball games, and, and for a while he played a town team ball in Murdo too. And um, he was just a he was just a guy who had kind of just a um, you know never ran out of gas. I mean he was running the court all the time uh, and always tried to make the people on the court around him better. Uh, really good at uh, finding people. If you were he, if you were, if you were breaking to the basket, if you were making a backdoor move, he would get, he would hit you. I mean he was he was really good at that. And then the thing he emphasized was defense. He 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 believed there wasn't anybody that could score on him. And uh, he tried to ingrain in us when we were growing up the importance of playing defense. He said, you know, your shot's not there every night. Um, but he said the one thing they can't take away from you is defense. And so he was a tenacious defensive player. And, um, in fact, uh, that faculty uh, senior game, they never lost until my senior year. <laughs> By then, my dad was in his 60s. But, um, you know, he would uh, he'd get up there every year and, it still could get out there and light it up, and he was in very good shape. I mean, he you know continued to maintain that. But one thing a lot of people don't know is he was a really good baseball player. And, um, you know, in fact, if it hadn't been for the war, uh, there were a lot of guys around the area thought he could have made a 
made a run at playing in the in the pros. Um, he was a pitcher and had a, a great fastball, a lot of movement on it. Um, so so much so that my brother Bob, when he was home from college one year, was a big star on his college team. In fact, he hit the longest home run in the history of the college, hit it well over their creek. And so he was playing for the town team in Murdo, and they put together a game where the town team played the old guys in Murdo. And my dad pitched, and my dad was 47 at the time, and uh, he struck out my brother three times. <laughs> so, no, the, the people in the stands never let my brother live that one down. But uh, he, he was just a, you know, just a guy that uh, loved to play and loved to compete. Senator John Thune joining us on In Play. I'm Craig Maddock. We're talking about his father, Harold Thune, who was one of the best players in South Dakota, certainly during the 30s. And we're talking about him as he passed away here recently at the age of 100. What motivated him? I mean, great players have some sometimes of different motivations. Do you know what it was? Yeah, I mean, I think that life was hard in the Depression, and I think, you know, maybe guys like him felt like they had something to prove, and, you know, he was out in a small town, and um, but I just think he, he was, uh, he, you know, he had a tremendous competitiveness about him, which I think kind of got passed on. And, uh, you know, a lot of the kids in my family share some of that trait. But uh, I just think he, uh, you know, he had a, a motor that wouldn't quit and was just believed that, you know, he was, he could get out there and play with anybody. And I, you know, I think part of that too, and of course, later in life, <clears throat> he, he was a man of strong faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that uh, where he was brought up, he was brought up in a fairly strict Scandinavian, uh, you know, home background. They didn't have a lot. Uh, basketball was an outlet. He saw it as something that he could uh, could do well. And I think he just wanted to to take it as far as he possibly could, and um, and really found joy in it. I mean, I think most athletes they got to love the game, you know. And nowadays at the Certainly at the professional level, it's a lot about the money and it's a business, and I get that, but I think part of it is just uh, love of the game, and I think that really motivated him. When your father got done with playing basketball in the Big Ten, he joined the Navy and became a pretty good fighter pilot. How did how did he go from being a pretty good college basketball player and, again, a kid from Murdo, and eventually he's flying fighter planes in the Navy? Yeah, well, you know, he came, Pearl Harbor got hit in December of 1941. My dad was in his senior season there, so he finished out, graduated in the spring of 42, and immediately signed up and went to flight training school initially in Minneapolis, uh, then went down to, uh, uh, he was in uh, Florida, uh, Corpus Christi, Christi, Texas, Christi, Corpus Christi, (laughs) so to say that right, Uh and then ultimately San Diego before they shipped off into the theater, but um, I think some of the same skill sets that, you know, helped him excel on the basketball floor were also uh, skills that served him well um, when he became a fighter pilot. And he just felt like there was, a you know, a sense of duty about the country was at war and he had to do his part. And he had always, he told the story about when he was a kid growing up in Murdo that he would read these magazines about planes and um, I don't know if it was Life magazine or one of those magazines that was available at the time, and they were just starting to fly off of aircraft carriers, and he just thought that would be a really exciting and interesting thing to do, and, of course, uh, as it turned out, pretty dangerous thing to do. But, you know, when he got out of the University of Minnesota, he, he signed up, and, uh, and that's uh, eventually where 
he ended up out in the Pacific on the Intrepid, um, and there was one, I think he flew 66 missions, um, landing, landing on an aircraft carrier, and in one particular dogfight over modern-day Taiwan, uh, shot down four enemy aircraft, and for that he was awarded the Distinguished Flying Cross. Interestingly enough, that award was made by John McCain's grandfather, Admiral John McCain, mm. and he was the commander of the, the carrier group that my dad served in in the Pacific. So, um, And that was a whole different you know, kind of part of his life, uh, and he still talks a lot. He doesn't talk a lot about any of this stuff, honestly, but when you did, he normally talked about some of the other guys in his squadron, and one of whom was this guy named Cecil Harris from Crestbard, South Dakota, uh, who was the second-ranking uh, ace, Navy ace, in World War II, had 24 shoot-downs, and he was the, uh, my dad was uh, his assistant flight leader, and he was the, kind of the flight leader of their squadron, and um, they got to be really good buddies, and they played sports on the Intrepid. They had a basketball game, and it was in, enlisted guys against the officers, and my dad said those were some ferocious games. Hmm. And then they had, a, they had a softball team when they were on land, and, uh, and so, you know, it, sports was a big part of just kind of keeping people sane, I think, during a very uh, dangerous and sometimes fearful time. You know, your dad probably could have done anything he wanted after serving in the Navy and playing in the Big Ten, but he decides to go back to Murdo and becomes a teacher and a coach. What was it like? I, I know he was a coach until the the early 80s. Um, he was there when you were still playing basketball. What was it like having him and his name um, be playing there at Jones County in Murdo? You know, it was, it was really interesting, and my dad was very, I mean, he was he was a very um, tough guy. He had high expectations for, for the kids. I mean, not tough in the sense that he would, not in a mean, mean way, but just, you know, high expectations. And, um, you know, I, um, I remember sort of growing up, and my brother Bob would tell this story, too, that Bob was like a middle schooler at the time, and my dad was giving him some instruction, and <laughs> Bob was, you know, mouthing off to him and saying, you know, <laughs> My dad's old. What does he know? And my mom overhears this and says, you know, Bobby, he said, you, maybe you ought to go down to your grandma's. And she lived a couple blocks away. Maybe you ought to go down to your grandma's. And, and she's got a couple old scrapbooks out there and, and ask her to pull them out for you. And so he went down there and she got out a scrapbook of all this stuff in high school and college. And Bob, Bob said, my eyes got big. And I was like, I had a whole new respect for my old man. But, um, you know, my dad enjoyed coaching and he did, he didn't really want to coach the boys, you know, when we were playing, competing. And I think that might have been a, a good decision for him. So he coached mostly girls basketball, girls track. Um, but he was, uh, he, you know, he was, a, and when he was a teacher, um, my, my brother, my brother Rich was the valedictorian of his high school class, and the only B he got in high school was from my dad. And <laughs> and somebody somebody asked my dad once, you know, how come he gave Rich a B? And he said, well, because he deserved it. And oh, so, you know, to it, the point. <laughs> yeah, it was very to the point. But um, you know, having somebody like him around uh, as a presence was. Uh, was always very humbling because, you know, like I said, he didn't talk about it, but when we figured out, you know, how, how good he really was, um, it gave you a greater appreciation for uh, what he had to say when he was offering instruction, and um, but he was always very, you know, gentle about it, uh, loving about it, and, um, but, you know, when he, when, he, uh, when he had something to say, you generally knew that you uh, ought to be listening. 
Got a couple more for you. Senator John Thune joining us. We're talking about his dad, Harold. Harold Thune, by the way, is in the South Dakota Sports Hall of Fame. He's uh, in the South Dakota High School Basketball Hall of Fame as well. Now, Senator, Senator, you went into politics, but did you ever consider following your dad as a teacher or a coach? Yeah, I think I probably very likely would have, um, Craig, had it not been for this course and you know, things kind of, it just sometimes, you know, doors open. And I always tell young people when I talk to them, if a door opens, don't be afraid to push it open and see what's on the other side, because I certainly didn't aspire to go into politics, but I got an opportunity through, uh, you know, Jim Abner when he was, and he was just down the road in Kennebec. And by the way, was a, a big fan of my dad's. Jim was like an eighth grader when my dad was a senior. And so he got to watch him play through high school and college. And and um, when he hired me to work for him, it probably was on my dad's name and not mine. But um, I got exposed to it. I kind of got an interest in it. But I always felt like if I hadn't, if that hadn't happened, that um, I certainly would have, you know, I've, coaching and teaching was always something that appealed to me. I just felt like it was a place where you could really have an impact, uh, really make a difference in, in uh, young people's lives and certainly teach a lot of life lessons. I mean, I am forever grateful for teachers and coaches and administrators who invested in me uh, along the way because you learn so many of those life lessons and, uh, in competitive sports. And so it's, yes, that, was, had, that had some appeal. Um, and, uh, you know, if uh, things had turned out a little bit differently. I remember when I came home the first time and I told my wife, I think I'm going to, or my mom, I'm, I think I'm going to run for Congress. And her, her, her observation was, well, John, couldn't you do something a little more reputable, like even be a lawyer or something? You know, was, it was, and I was like, uh, so they were, but they were very supportive um, when I made the decision to do that. In fact, the town was great. We had a, back at the time, it was very hard to raise money. I, I was a no-name, uh, got into a race with a, a big underdog. But we had a little pie auction in Murdo, and uh, Coach Appleby, who was my high school coach, um, and Dave Geisler, who ran the Pioneer Auto Museum there, started the bidding on the pies, and they started buying these pies for like 400 bucks. <laughs> so then everybody felt like they had to pay 400 bucks. And we raised that night, I think, maybe $4,000 at that pie auction, but at that time, you know, back in my first house race, that was a whole lot of money. That bought a lot of gas. <laughs> and so, you know, the town, uh, the town really came through, and they were very loyal um, to my dad and my mom through the years, and um, and he certainly returned that. He contributed a lot, I think, to the community and uh, that that auditorium in Myrtle that we still play in there, that the school still plays in. They that was built mainly by the community. And my dad talks about being up on the scaffolding when they were putting the the big beams across the top of that thing. And he said, you know, I was a I was a pilot and flew planes, but I've never been as scared as I was on that scaffolding. <laughs> so I was a little shaky down below, but it's an example again of the way that small communities pull together, and, um, and it takes uh, folks that, you know, provide leadership and are willing to do some of the things that maybe uh, aren't always the, the easy things to do, but, um, you know, it, uh, those are, it's a legacy, and those are investments, I think, that pay, pay off for a long time. Harold Thune's name is in, in that gym in Murdo. What did that honor mean to him? You know, it was really huge, um, Craig. I, you know, my dad, like I said, he's a very humble guy, and uh, a lot of the things that we learned about him, we didn't. He would, he would never have told us himself. It was usually through my mom or somebody else. But he was really very moved by that. Um, I remember, you know, when they had the ceremony. It was during the Jones County Invitational Basketball Tournament, which he had 
helped start back in the late 1960s. And um, the, the community, the town, the school, uh, it just he, he just felt very inadequate to it. And I remember when they, he was interviewed about it and he said, you know, there's a lot of people through, in this town through the years that have contributed so much. Um, I'm not sure why I'm uh, deserving of this, but uh, the town really embraced him and uh, he was very humbled, very moved, and very honored uh, by that uh, act of kindness on behalf of the city and the school. And so it, that meant a lot to him. And you know, that stage of his life, uh, my mom was gone by then and they're just, um, you know, you're kind of, you've outlived pretty much everybody. <laughs> everybody in your peer group and mm -hmm. and so something like that i think really really did mean a lot to him senator thune uh, thanks for the time uh, you've been a great teacher on giving us a great history lesson about your father and i hope more people will will find out more of what your dad did and what he meant for not only the community of murdo but even the state of south dakota it's just a great history lesson and um i'm sure you're very proud um, of what your father did we are. Thank you, Craig. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm very blessed. It's a, it's a wonderful legacy. He was a man of terrific integrity and character. And, and that, more than anything else, I think is the, what we are uh, most grateful for about his legacy. It was 1937. Harold Thune led Murdo to the B-Boys basketball championship game. Unfortunately, they lost to Dolan. But he was uh, the captain of the all-tourney team for being the top scorer in that tournament. Of course, had a great career at the University of Minnesota, a fighter pilot, the distinguished flying cross, and, and then you know went back to Murdo and became a teacher and a coach. And joining us now, Gerald Appleby, who coached with Harold. He's here to talk about their time working together at, at Jones County. What was the first meeting like between you and Harold? It was good, because I had all of the kids in school. <laughs> so uh, things went well. I knew Harold from the day I arrived here until uh, he passed away. Now, who was what? Uh, was at one time one was the head coach, one was the, the assistant, and it, and it changed, or was it always the same? Uh, no, it did not change. I was head coach, and Harold was my assistant coach. And this was for the boys, and then eventually he was uh, coaching the girls at one time. Right, yeah. He was a head girls coach, and that's when the girls played in the fall and the boys played in the winter. Well, we know that Harold was an intense basketball player. What was it like having him by you as you guys coached? It was good. He had a few comments to me during the game and uh, helped me out and so on like that. And then he was good in practice. We got along really well. How about some of those uh, teams that you took to state tournament? Were you able to have success getting to a state tournament? Well, that's when uh, Lyman was winning state tournaments in 80, 85, and 90. And we were always up against them in the district tournament. And I think uh, at one time there in, uh, what was it, 79 or 80, 
They beat us at the uh, district tournament by a couple of points. I never got to the state tournament. Yeah, Lyman won it all back in 1980. They beat uh, Beersford by a bucket uh, in that right. uh, in that state. And tournament. they won it in '85 and '90 and got second <laughs> in '95. Darn Lyman, right? <laughs> there was always one team in the region that they had to get by. What was basketball like in Murdo and at Jones County during the times that you and Harold were the coaches? Pretty good. We had some good athletes that put their time in on the practice in the summertime and, and uh, so on. So we had good teams. Did Harold talk about his days at Minnesota and what it was like for him to play in the Big Ten? Uh, no, he never mentioned that to me. I had to find that out by other means. <laughs> was he that kind of guy? He was pretty humble? Yeah, he was uh, very mild. And uh, he was a very good Christian. And so consequently, he didn't do a lot of talking about himself in his warriors or in the basketball end of it. Almost had to pull teeth, right, to get anything out of uh, Harold Thune at times? Yes, it was. <laughs> I don't know uh, if the boys got him going on it after he retired or just what it was, but uh, he was pretty quiet about that. The Jones County Invite is one of the uh, top get-togethers for everybody every year when it comes to basketball or right around Christmas time. What does the Jones County Invite mean to you, Gerald? Well, it was a great tournament, and it is a great tournament. We got it started back in about 53 or 4 years ago, and it's the longest-running invitational basketball in the state of South Dakota. I know know that there are other conference tournaments that have been longer, but this is an invitational. Dr. Maury Hoagland called me into the office and uh, talked with me about starting one of them, the invitational, because we had quit playing the Three River Conference Tournament. And we felt that a lot of teams uh, out here needed games, and uh, was uh, interested in a tournament. So he got it started, and uh, Harold Thune was athletic director at that time, and uh, he kept it going. And then I took over as athletic director as uh, Harold retired, Mm -hmm. And we just kept it going. It's great for the schools that we have coming, and uh, it's great for the Jones County community, and we get real good crowds. How long were you in the school district? 32 or 3 years. I was coaching all three sports when I first came here in 62, and then I gave up football. And then I gave up basketball for a while, but they talked me into coming back and coaching John Thune and the class that he was in. And I coached again for three years there. I really had some good kids in track, too. 
Your name is on the uh, gym floor there in Murdo. What is what does that honor mean to you? Really something. It really is good. And Mr. Ball or Larry Ball is kind of responsible for that. When he came here in 85, he decided the uh, auditorium would be Harold Thune's auditorium, and I would, my name would be on the basketball court. Tell me the last conversation you had with Harold Thune. When was it? Every winter, he went down to Nebraska to live with his uh, daughter, Karen, and then he'd come back for the summer months, but I'd see him walking down the street. Otherwise, no, I didn't have a lot of conversation with him in the last three or four years. What did you learn the most about being with Harold Thune and uh, being a coach slash athletic director during that time? Harold was a very good gentleman, and he had lots of patience, which I wasn't full of. (laughs) So I kind of learned from him that things will work out and be okay. Murdo is quite the uh, tight-knit group, as is uh, a lot of small towns in South Dakota. And I heard the story uh, from Senator John Thune that you had a, a pie auction for him uh, early on in his uh, his career of trying to run for office, and you were instrumental of uh, putting those bids up pretty high for those pies <laughs> during Too those times. <laughs> they weren't going to go for less than seventy five bucks a piece. I decided. Well, I heard it was like four hundred dollars as some of those bidding got up there. Well, some <laughs> of them did. <laughs> Well, Gerald, I appreciate the time you've given us. Uh, give us a nice history lesson of uh, what it was like, uh, you know, working and coaching with, with Harold Thune and what it's like to be a part of that Jones County invite. It's known statewide and uh, continued success with that event in the years ahead. You bet. We hope to keep it going. On this edition of In Play, we're talking about one of the all-time basketball greats. In fact, was a coach and a teacher as well in Murdo, talking about Harold Thune. He's a member of the South Dakota Sports Hall of Fame, also a member of the South Dakota High School Basketball Hall of Fame. And even in his later years, it was very common to see Harold at the annual Jones County Invite, the big basketball event, and at the B-Boy State Basketball Tournament. Wayne Carney, who spent uh, most of his life involved with high school sports in South Dakota, including the position as uh, the executive director of the South Dakota High School Activities Association, joins us. And, of course, coached at Agar for, uh, what, seven years or so in Agar, and then was off to, to Hamlin, and then was the activities director at Sioux Falls, Washington, before he was the executive director with the High School Activities Association. Wayne, thanks for joining us. Your your first experience of running into Harold Thune. Well, it would have been about 1972. Uh, Carol and I started teaching at Agar in 1970, in the fall of 1970. And uh, in 1972, the Agar High Pointers were invited to participate in the Jones County Invite. And, of course, I'd never heard of it. Uh, until we started teaching at Agar. Uh, but after, you know, one year of being introduced to it, the year we played in it, 
it just became an annual thing, you know, for me, even the years we weren't playing in it, we were at Agar, but 17 years we were at Hamlin, you know, you just follow it there, a little bit, quite a John from Murdo to Hayti, and, but then when we moved into the position of the Activities Association, why then I attended for the next 17 years, and would always visit with Harold and Gerald Appleby and Larry Ball and some of the guys that were deeply involved with the uh, Jones County invite. And I got a, the opportunity to, to see a lot of really good basketball and seeing some of the premier players in the state of South Dakota. Harold Thune was uh, fairly uh, in, intense when he played. Was he intense as a coach as well? Well, you know, I never did see him coach. Um, but if uh, if the yeah. attitude and the inspiration that he left there, uh, I would just assume that Harold was probably pretty intense. And you know, a lot of the, the times that I was at the Harold at the uh, invite, I always time to, to visit with him and, and uh, interesting thing you didn't really want to talk to Harold during the game because he was intent on watching the game not visiting with me so <laughs> I always made it an opportunity I always made it a point to between games or maybe during halftime go and visit with him and then he is very cordial and always wanted to, to visit about basketball what is it about the Jones County invite you know that has been a staple of basketball events for years and years in Murdo? Well, I think part of it is that uh, the quality of the teams that come in uh, until the LNI was started, you know, the, the Jones County invite was kind of the tournament west of the river. And and, and they not only drew teams from uh, the surrounding area, uh, they invited teams that nobody had the opportunity to see other than at the Jones County invite. So I remember years that uh, we were at Hamlin, we'd, uh, being invited to the Freeman Classic, and you'd probably remember that, in the Watertown Public Opinion, and so and the Jones County invite was the West River, uh, compared with those, those types of invites. So it continued to grow. It's just a fun, fun time uh, to not only watch the basketball, to but to renew the old acquaintances of people. When it comes to Harold Thune, um, when you run into people. And you you know a lot of people. What are they saying about Harold Thune and the legacy that he brought, whether it was a player or even as a Navy fighting pilot or going back home and becoming a teacher and a coach? Well, you know, I think it all, you about nailed everything. First as a player, and then as a, as a collegiate player, and then his military service, and then, uh, you know, his college degree and coming back to his hometown to teach and coach. And I think the legacy he left, goes way beyond just basketball. When I knew Harold, it was uh, the, the personal part of him, the willingness to sit and visit. It was fun for me or interesting for me to watch former players of his uh, from years ago come back and talk to him and the respect they had for him, what he taught them outside of the game of basketball, being dependable, being reliable, being honest, being truthful, I mean, all those things that you you really, really stressed uh, to your players. And, you know, hopefully those types of things are, will live on in the players he coached and the people that came into contact with Harold. So I think if you turn, use the term legacy, I think that's a great term because he has definitely uh, left a legacy in the state of South Dakota, not only in Myrtle, but in the state of South Dakota, uh, especially you, you mentioned the Hall of Fame with the basketball coaches and the South Dakota 
what he did and accomplished during his coaching and teaching career, as well as his military career and collegiate career, it, it really wraps up into a nice bundle. It's hard to come up with any other names in the history of high school athletics in South Dakota. Uh, th- I'm sure there are. I just can't think of any at the top of my head right now. Maybe you know of, of other guys that did the same thing, played high level of whether it's basketball or football, went into the military, did very well, and then was successful coming out of it. And you know, that's what athletics is all about. Um, sometimes athletics leads you to unbelievable paths uh, for your life down the road. Yeah, you know, I get- to answer that first question, uh, Greg, no, I don't know of anyone. Uh, you know, I came to South Dakota after graduating from high school and, and the U, uh, USD in 1970. So my time actually in the state is, uh, I can say, 50 years uh, in education and, and knowing folks. But, you know, 50 years ago, Harold was only 50. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's really hard for me to put a name, you know, as I go through and look at the South Dakota Sports Hall of Fame. Uh, and look at the names on there. Uh, there are people in there that I've tried to research and know a little bit about. Um, but as far as uh, as far as knowing anybody that would compare to what Harold did, no, I, I can't say I know of any. Can you uh, maybe the last time you ran into uh, Harold? Uh, when was that, and uh, what was that experience like? Well, that would have been probably in 2017. I think it was our last year in Pierre before we moved back to Sioux Falls. Uh, would have been at the Jones County Invite. And again, you know, he and Gerald Appleby usually sat together, and, and it was pretty typical for Friday night for John to come back, um, you know, from D.C. And uh, they would come in. Of course, he never had a chance to talk to John because everybody else was kind of, you know, swarming around him, a local legend and a, and a pretty influential politician. Uh, but I, I would always make time to, to try to see Harold. And like I say, he was just always very cordial and wanted to know how I was doing, how's the family, wanted to know about other basketball teams that I had seen up to that point. And usually by that time, you know, we had your Christmas holiday tournaments and that kind of stuff. So we had, we were fortunate enough to see some. And, and uh, we would just share with each other. Uh, pretty much our conversation was always based around the game of basketball and family. You know, we always talked about how our, he's always questioned me how our family was and, and how they were doing, and you know that's kind of neat in itself. And that Harold really didn't know probably any of my of our family, uh, but he always knew that we had a, a son that played and daughters that played, and and uh, so like I say, it was just always fun for me to to visit with him. If you like what you're hearing, please give us a five star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It helps us gain new listeners. This has been In Play. I'm Craig Maddock, and this has been a production of South Dakota Public Broadcasting.